0: wherever you get your podcasts. On this week's Big Tech Show,
2: when will cars safely drive themselves on our streets? You're gonna to have to hit that twenty seven between twenty seven and thirty point mark to go and be now. That's what it's gonna to take to take down this green joint. They're that good. Unconventional, I suppose, is the word you could you could use
3: in terms of how he uh, left the scene and, and has come back into it. We've got John
0: Paul George and I don't know who Ringo is next unless Bernard Brogan kind of suddenly appears at training in the next week or two.
1: It was a dramatic final day of the National Football League with teams jockeying for position to book a place in the final and others trying to avoid relegation. But all of that was overshadowed by the bombshell news of Stephen Cluxton appearing on the bench for Dublin yesterday. Welcome to the Throne Podcast where we'll be discussing all that and more. Will Slattery here with you and on part two of the show, Jamal Lam will be here to look back on the Hurling League semifinals with us. But first, I'm delighted to be joined by Dick Clerken and I'm Frank Roach to talk football and, Dick, I'm sure you're keen to discuss Monaghan's great escape. But first, we, we have to go to the Stephen Cluxton news. It wasn't mapped at all. No one was talking about it in the build-up. All of a sudden, he just appears at Croke Park yesterday in his Dublin gear. It was a surreal moment. What do you make of it?
3: I suppose, listen, it it, it goes with a lot, with, with what has sort of happened with, with Stephen over the last number of years. Unconventional, I suppose, is the word you could you could use in terms of how he uh, left the scene and, and has come back into it. Yeah. You know there's there's no there's no real blueprint that he's following so so who's to say how, how the rest of the year will go and, and what the intentions are but he's, he's back I'm sure he's back to play he's not back to to sort of fill in the the evenings that he might have might have missed the involvement with Dublin football um different ways to look at it Is um is it a sort of a, a last gasp sort of desperation from 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 everybody involved to try and get get Dublin over the line or was it always happening? Was it always just a bit of a break that Stephen needed and he was always going to come back in? Who knows? You're never going to find out. We can speculate all we want. Is it a is it a benefit or bonus for Dublin? Again, depending on what way you look at it. Is it a an acknowledgement that, you know, the, the team that has been left he he had left behind aren't good enough and they have to come back? If that's the case, that making nearly he felt too well within the panel. But yet they love to see him back. I'd, I'd imagine as well in terms of that leadership. So it's it's not just black and white, um, and it depends really on what what side of the fence you, you sit and how you view it. To be honest with you,
1: yeah, Frank. There's so much intrigue to it, as Dick mentioned. There, you know, is it kind of a sign of desperation that, that the Dublin feel the need that they, to go back to someone who hasn't played intercounty football since Christmas 2020? Is it is it a sign that Desi Farrell thinks they're very close, just could get them over the line? Like, what 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 what's your thought?
0: I I don't know if I'd use the word desperation, but it kind of puts a light to the notion that Dublin are in a state of transition. I mean, uh, the level of transition they're at at the moment involves bringing Paul Mannion and Jack McCaffrey back uh, in the autumn. And now, um, and now Stephen Cluxton. I mean, basically three of their most decorated players are who we all presumed had finished up as inter-county footballers are all now back in the mix. I mean, We've got John Paul George and I don't know who Ringo is next unless Bernard Brogan kind of suddenly appears at training in the next week or two. Um, uh, now, I was on the far, the far side of the country. I was in Castle Bar when this news broke. And, and like I, I presume, like most people in Crow Park, no one saw it coming. Uh, I mean, how could you? He, he's been retired for, if not say retired, but he hasn't been involved with Dublin for two years. He hasn't played for them since the COVID All-Ireland Final in December 2020. And now he's back at 41 and a half or whatever he is. Um, My suspicion is that the fact that he's come back now tells me that Evan Comerford is not going to be right for the start of Championship, whatever about at what stage he is going to be right. Because uh, I don't think necessarily goalkeeper was the position that Dublin are crying out for not say something different, but where there have been clear signs of weakness either last summer or in the league, in the league campaign that we've witnessed over the last couple of months. I think Dublin have bigger issues in the full back line. And there were even signs of that again yesterday from the highlights I saw uh, of the, of the loud game. Evan Comerford is one of the top goalkeepers in the country. Stephen Cluckston is coming back, presumably looking to start. Uh, but David O'Hanlon has been w- definitely one of their better players. I mean, there hasn't been people haven't been asking questions about how he has performed during the league. His use of the ball and his restarts has been quite good. So it's it's a it's a it's a big, big surprise and it's a great talking point.
1: Yeah, great talking point. Like, could it be destabilizing? Obviously, the two goalkeepers that Frank mentioned won't be happy, but in terms of just not destabilizing, but like the it's two years is a long time. Like the 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 leadership group of the team would have moved on. Other players would have stepped into the void. Stephen and like you know Johnny Saxon or Roy Keane, uh, by all accounts, really set the tone and delivered a lot of key messages in that group. Like coming in two years later, when there was a lot of uncertainty around his availability generally. And if he comes back in and he starts maybe assuming
3: that role, Like, could that be a bit disruptive? Not disruptive, but, yeah, you know, could it? Absolutely. Potentially, Potentially, yes. And potentially, again, I, I would sort of be 50-50 on it. You know, so anyone from Dublin that says this is only, can only be seen as a positive, is just been blinkered. And equally, anyone that's just been sort of blatantly cynical about it isn't right either, because you, you can't say in on one hand what, Stephen brought and and recognised in terms of not just his ability on the pitch, in terms of how he can control the game, his distribution, what he probably brings to the dressing room. You can't sort of say that as a positive for his career and say that that won't be a positive that he can bring back in. But then there's the whole sort of team dynamic and that sort of leadership culture within a group. The Dublin have been very, very forward in terms of communicating has been sort of core to them in terms of... so. How does he take that over again or has it, does he accede that to the younger generation? That 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 that's almost that dress, dressing room dynamic that we'll never hear about. And that'll only manifest itself on the pitch in terms of how how well that goes. We'll see. Ultimately this will be judged on how Dublin go. If judging Dublin go and win in all Ireland with 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 Stephen between the, the, the sticks, it'll be, you know, probably their greatest success over the last ten years and uh, a managerial masterstroke from from Desi Farrell. If it doesn't and they, they whimper out and, and carry the form that they have over the league and basically the last two years and don't show any sort of upward tick, um it'll probably not be viewed too good. And uh, so listen, as I say when, when it, the, the victors determine history it'll be the case this year as well. Um Desi Farrells, I think there's an element he's rolling the dice here, he's pushing in his chips, he 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 needs to get a return. And if these players, the likes of Jack McCaffrey, Stephen Cluxton are putting their heads up, it'd be a good man not to not to take them in. So listen, it, it's all to play for.
1: Yeah, Frank. And then lastly, on Dublin, obviously there was a kind of a promotion playoff game yesterday as well, which the, the Clucks and News did detract from. They ultimately beat Loud that they're back in Division 1. They have an interesting game against Derry to come as well. Like, What's your assessment of where they're at, having maybe seen them at different uh, moments over their Division 2 campaign?
0: You couldn't be entirely convinced by what you've seen. I mean, at the start of the campaign, the presumption was that Dublin were definitely going to get promoted. And in fairness, they've only lost one match along the way, and that was a game they could easily have won up in up in Celtic Park. Uh, but in in several of those uh, victories, there were kind of moments of unease. The you know there have been I mentioned already the full backline issues. There there there's a few creaking signs there. Uh, partly because the personnel is, they're they're getting a bit older. Mick Fitz, Mick Fitzsimons has has had a few troubles and even yesterday for the goal. But I think probably a bigger concern is the, the attacking game plan and how it has been kind of spluttering at times. It's, it's a tie in some of the matches. It's definitely been too one paced, cautious, pedestrian, call it what you will. Um, I, I don't have the stat in front of me, but even like, Kieran Kilkenny and what he scored compared to previously campaigns. Normally he's been so so prolific, and he scored a lot less this spring. That's not to say he's not going to have a huge impact um, come summer. And and we've we've yet to see Conor Callan at his best in this campaign as well. Now, the the the, the great thing in Dublin's favour is look they're promoted. That was the important thing. I think they need to. Put down makes something of a statement against Derry this weekend. They could really do with beating them, I think, uh, to remind everyone that they haven't gone away. Um, and then we're going into the, the those several weeks of I won't say shadow boxing, but they're going to come out of. They're probably go, almost certainly going to win Leinster again, even if they don't. They're into the All Ireland series, and the chances are we won't really discover whether Dublin are still, you know, All Ireland champions and waiting again until it gets whatever with the last eight, possibly the last four. And it's only then that the really tough question will be asked.
1: Yeah, as you said, though, an interesting game against Derry this weekend, that will maybe tell us something about where they're at heading into the championship. Okay, Dick, Monaghan now. I'm sure you're absolutely delighted. You have your Monaghan Monaghan, uh, shirt on. Um, I had a black T-shirt
3: ready and waiting in case that was needed.
1: (laughs) To be fair, I think you've worn it every weekend, regardless of the results. I think you've been flying the flag uh, throughout the campaign. But it's funny, you know, obviously... You, you maybe like some young guys to emerge and get, and get them on an over the line, but it was great to see Conor McManus, you know, firing Darren Hughes, Carl O'Connell, all delivering great displays, kind of rolling back the years. Like,
3: what what are your thoughts this morning? Uh, yeah, listen, delighted for the, the for, for them, delighted for Vinny especially. I think that's, uh, from the few conversations I've had since yesterday's result, that's been the common trend, like the the managerial approach. And maybe we'll touch on Donegal in, in a minute, but but back in the winter, Monaghan weren't covering themselves in glory in terms of how are we how we were going about filling filling the managerial post. And there was a lot of concerns as to where that might fall. And and when it, it finally got got decided and Vinny and his is basically his homegrown managerial team, including his brother Marty, who had been Across the tracks in Calvin, it was great to give them like I was delighted and I, I was very vocal about that. And, you know, it, it was great to to see them getting the back in. And, and then following from that, the older players, the vast majority of them stayed on to support them. The likes of Darren, Carl Connor, who... I can tell you now, boys, you have no idea what these boys go through physically wise and what they have going off the field. In the vast majority of other counties, these boys wouldn't be playing inter-county football, not just this year, but I'd say over the last couple of years in terms of their age profile. They've got kids, they've got businesses, they've got injuries, they've got 15, 16, 17 years behind them. Um, And for them to to not just commit to, to, to Vinny this year, but to arguably be that, arguably to be the difference for them staying up in Division One again is 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 not just a massive test testament to them as players, but it's a massive testament to Vinny to be able to have that level of of leadership and respect that he can get the most out of players, and and that has been the trend over Monaghan for the last ten years. You know the players, older players, staying on as long as they physically. Could to give as much as possible to make sure they're leaving things in as good a shape for the players coming behind them, you know. I done it. Paul Finley done it. Owen Lennon done it. Drew Wiley done it. Different players, you know, they stayed on and they all made their small wee marginal differences. And people talk about Monaghan and Frank. You were talking about Houdini. It's nothing about luck about it. You're not lucky ten years in a row. Like that, it's that's nonsense talk. You're not. That's not luck. As is, you make your own luck. That luck has come by. Massive hard work, huge commitment, good organisation, and some bloody good footballers, as we seen in Castlebar yesterday, with the likes of Conor McManus. It was Jack McCarn in Clonus against Dublin last year, and the goal of the year before that that done the that done 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 what was needed to get them over the line. And thankfully, Conor, you know, showed reminded everybody how good he was in Castlebar yesterday. So I'm delighted for Vinny and I'm delighted for the boys because you know it was potentially a very difficult league with playing of a light panel, but again eked the best out of that group of players and deservedly stayed up in division one again.
1: Yeah, it's interesting that Armagh with the team to go down because they played on the opening weekend and Armagh got a good win over Monaghan and then mm. you know it would have been hard pressed to predict that it would have uh, they would have swapped positions by the end of it. Frankie, you were, obviously you mentioned we're in Castlebar. Like what, what did you make of the game how Monaghan played, especially those those kind of senior players that Dick mentioned who stood up.
0: I think that what was really kind of instructive was the last 10 minutes, if you include a long spell of injury time, like say from, I think it was the 66th minute Bob Toohey equalised for Mayo. Uh, they had the wind advantage. wasn't a, an enormous wind advantage, but they had that and they had momentum, you would imagine. You know, they got level. Uh, the nerves were bound to be showing in Monaghan's side because they knew a draw wasn't going to be enough. But in those last 10 minutes, uh, first of all, uh, Conor McCarthy got a point. But after that, McManus kicked two marks in quick succession the pass in for both of those points came from Carl O'Connell 34-34 heading on 35 McManus is 35 Um, the next point uh, I think it was yeah, the Stephen O'Hanlon point that put them three points up in injury time where did that come from? an intercept in midfield by Darren Hughes who was huge he had an absolutely brilliant second half yeah, doing a lot of that unseen work, but he also created a goal chance earlier for, uh, for Gary Moan. And like Hughes is thirty six, you know. As as Dick mentioned there earlier, like in another county, these guys probably wouldn't still be playing, like for for multiple reasons. Uh, and then the last play of the game, uh, the kick out from from Rory Began goes long. Rob Henley goes into the mix trying to win it for Mayo, gets caught out. Suddenly there's a counter attack on, but no goalkeeper goalkeeper out. Who makes the driving run and who's fouled for the penalty? Carlo O'Connell. Like these guys are all in their mid thirties. And when the when the Division I status was on the line, they were the guys who dug it out for for Monaghan. Now, you might argue that what'll Monaghan do in a year, in a year's time or two years' time when these guys have all, you know, gone into well earned retirement. But it was just Frank, they said that.
3: When I was finishing up and Paul Finley and Owen Lennon and there was another half a dozen boys at that age. And 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 this the reality is it's the fact that those two or three guys have stayed on has allowed the Carl Gallagher's, the Tom McPhillips, the Ryan O'Toole's to to develop a Division One football and get that confidence. So year on year, these guys are cutting their teeth at Division One level and able to step up. Because yeah, yeah, Connor done the business yesterday, but she barely kicked a ball all league. So you couldn't you couldn't put Monaghan staying up in Division One down to to to, to Connor McManus. It was actually probably over the whole league. It was actually the contribution of those younger players. That probably had a bigger impact because they were there every game, you know, putting in the hard work, doing the chipping away. Connor just sort of finished the job off. So, I think it was a very much a collective effort, and and Vinny has and his management team have to get huge credit for being able to have these players right and available, you know, at at different times. Because, you know, again, went down yesterday without Connor Boyle and Desi Ward, who probably been their two best defenders all league in terms of that. Younger athleticism, getting up the pitch, supporting runs. So they had to sort of plug holes with that. So again, I, I think it's it, it's a nice narrative, the three guys. And we all use that, but it would be unfair to to, to just put it put it at, at, at their door. I think the younger guys, especially, I'm delighted for too because it would have been quite daunting for them coming into Division One, knowing that, you know, if we don't have much of a team going out here, you could get a few clippings like they did against Kerry. That, you know, th- that, that was the potential for Monaghan that they just, Get a, they were a wee bit too undercooked and they might get a trim in, but they didn't stay. They held firm and, you know, again, huge, huge testament to the management team for managing that panel of players.
0: Oh, definitely. And like, I'd, I'd only watched the match on tape during the week, but, you know, as, as you watch the Tyrone Monaghan game, and you'd be thinking, you, 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 it'd be tempting to think, where's this going? Because, um, okay, one of the red cards was rescinded, but there was just as that second half it was unfolded, you were, for some you reason, yeah, you were was very, a- very flat. And, um, you know, the, and like in fairness, the thrown goals have come early in that game. A lot of the damage had been done when it was 15 v 15. But I, I, you know, I think great credit because they were the better team for those first 66 minutes, even though the game ended up level, they were clearly the better team. They were playing with way more drive for obvious reasons. They wanted it, they wanted it more than Mayo, you know, who didn't need the points per se. But, uh, I just, I just it, it is a nice narrative, but it's still it's still important to note how important they were, and probably I don't know, maybe they haven't been scoring enough from play. They, well, they need no, no, they haven't been. Oh, yeah. goal,
3: goal, goals or from play, Frank was the, was was the two things that they were sort of struggling on. You know, they were quite good in set pieces and all the rest, but and Rory, I don't, Rory score yesterday didn't try him. He, he he did, did he? He
0: missed three three place balls. Not, yeah, since not the a, other games he was
3: kicking, kicking two or three points, and he was near enough the top score. So it was good to see uh, a better range of scores, and definitely from play, which which the badly needed. So that'll give them great confidence going into the Ulster Championship
0: too. Yeah, they, they, like the, in fairness, they made all their own luck yesterday. Yeah. The one thing in their favour, probably more than anything. Was the fact that Mayo already qualified for the league final, and and McStay was, you know, he made ten, ten changes, so they weren't facing the Mayo team that had absolutely. No. Romped we said topic. this
3: last last was last week, the week before. Well, I was sort of I said, it, I think it was Matt Cooper the week, so I was hoping it might subliminally go into Kevin if he was listening to say, "Go, oh, maybe you shouldn't be playing a full team, maybe Dick's right or something." So I was delighted to see what he he ran the bench, and that was the right call by Kevin McStay. He it was he 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 lost nothing in defeat yesterday. He he gave good game time to a group of players. They went in with the expectation we're going to compete. Doesn't matter if we win. And now that'll not be a negative dressing room going into. It. I don't think they picked up any injuries. They got a bit of bit of rest for his his uh, broader panel. And now they may find Fettle going for a league final next week. So again, good man good management from from Kevin McStay and his crew as well.
1: Yeah, league finally against Galway next weekend, which is sure to be a good game. Did Dick, just a word in Armagh, then you know that they, they end up going down a couple of weeks ago. We had a chat on the show. I can't remember who was on with us and. They were talking up our man. You said a bit of a health warning, like they've yet to kind of prove their credentials to be talked about as you know top contenders or at that top table. And then ultimately, after a defeat to Galway last week and then another defeat against Tyrone, they're going back to Division Two. So, what's your assessment, I suppose, of where they're at heading into the summer?
3: Probably they're, they're, they're at where I, I thought they were at three or four weeks ago. I think they've still a lot to prove, and and now they have to prove it to themselves, not just me or, or the lakes. Um, I'm not. Um. There's lots of rumors going on, and 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 I don't like to re repeat and stuff, and I won't. But you sense that something's not right up there. They have they have probably a good enough panel and a good enough bunch of players to be to be playing Division One. Um. They just for some reason aren't getting the best out of them. The teams have stepped back from where they were last year. Whether it's have have they changed their style of play? I don't know. I do know a couple of things I don't like about them, and maybe maybe this is something that they need to look at. I, I don't like the way they play Ethan Rafferty. I think that's, I think that's a distraction. I think when I turned on to the Sunday game last night and see him up on the forty-five and the sixty-yard line in the middle of, the, I I just think that that is a distraction and something that they don't need. Yes, you can play a, a a goalkeeper out the pitch and to be a sweeper, but for for your goalkeeper. To be sort of dictating the the, the 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 play and the amount of the amount of uh, touches that he gets, I'm I'm not convinced. I, th- I think that there are better footballers. Put it this: if Ethan is that good a footballer, put number eight on his back and put him out in the middle of the pitch and put a proper keeper in play. You know, I think I think he's if he's if he's if he's taking the ball so much. Well, somebody else doesn't have it that's arguably a better outfield footballer because he's got a number eight or nine or six or 11 on his back. You know, I always sort of say in work, if if you're doing something nobody else is doing, you're either very, very smart or you're very, very foolish. And I'm yet to be convinced that Armagh aren't the latter when it comes to how they're playing their goalkeeper. So, now, again, I can be proven wrong and it grabs the headlines when he kicks a point or he kicks something. But over the round, is it helping the overall team or panel? I'm not so sure because I think I think they've good enough players, they've good enough um good enough panel to be doing better than they are. So listen, it'll be a tough one. That'll not be well received in in Arma HQ and Kear McGini. They were sort of wanting to set themselves as a as a Division 1 team and have these players develop it and now they have to sort of lick their wounds and go back to Division 2 and, and plan for a, an Ulster Championship. But, listen, they've only themselves to blame because they've plenty of chances and plenty of opportunities over the course of the league to have have more than five points on the board at the end of it.
1: Yeah, Frank, and another Ulster County you have a lot of soul-searching and kind of things to, to t- consider is Donegal. Obviously, Paddy Carr stepping away ahead of that final match, Aidan O'Rourke and Paddy Brody taking the team. They're gone down to Division Two as well, and obviously just the controversy on their academy structures. Carl Lacey stepping away. Like of all the counties, Donegal in Ireland at the moment probably seem to be the one in the most disarray.
0: Oh, without a shadow of a doubt. I mean, their 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 league form from I won't say early on because we we kind of forget the the first round of the league. They beat Kerry coming from behind in in Bally Buffet. and but they've only they've only taken three points. Through the league campaign, uh, all three points against last year's uh, beat or last year's two All Ireland finalists, but there were ominous signs from from early on, and I know this was even before the Mayo match uh, last Sunday week. But what they showed that day was really, really worrying. Uh, it wasn't just to lose by what they did at home to Mayo in a match where they had to win, but the manner of it. I mean, there, there was ball's gone into the um Donegal attack and Mayo defenders were coming out with it way 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 too easily and and one of those moves actually led directly to the rhino O'Donahu goal and and after that Donegal more or less I won't say gave up but you just knew by their body language this is this game is gone we're not gonna we're, we're not gonna catch anyone here and Paddy Carr admitted it in his post-match interview it's it's very tough on Paddy I mean I, I knew him from his time with Kilmacook Croaks. He was, he's a very personable character. He, he always full of chat. Um, but as a, this, this, it's a different ball game inter-county. It was almost 20 years since he'd managed loud. And the scrutiny is just, you know, it's tenfold compared to what operates, even at an elite club like chemical croaks. And, uh, he inherited a bit of a poison chalice. Donegal, Donegal's graph was already on the slide uh, before Declan Bonner uh, stepped down. You know, a few weeks after Paddy eventually gets the job, um, Michael Murphy retires. I mean, how do you deal with something like that in the dressing room? Um, and then, you know, what is it? A matcher in the second league match, his his new skipper, Paddy, Patrick McBrearty, the only survivor from 2012, picks up an injury that could potentially rule him out of the championship even so I mean it's he hasn't been dealt uh, a good hand but it's clear from you know what what was said and the various statements coming out last week that it wasn't a happy camp and it, it seems like the players weren't happy with the direction of you know the direction of where they were going under Paddy either
1: Yeah Dick like having been in inter-county set up obviously in Monaghan like what what's your perspective on I suppose Man- managers departing in this manner, Limerick, similarly, their manager left midway through his first league campaign. It-, it seems a drastic step for a manager not even to finish their initial league campaign. But obviously, when players, if, if in these cases it was the case, decide that it- it's not the direction they're happy heading in, they make a move. Like, what's your perspective on-, on that side of it?
3: Yeah, I suppose looking back over the Donegal situation in hindsight, even going back, if you remember that first day, the big Kerry, um. Paddy was strangely emotive in in, in his post post match um, interview, and there had been a lot of rumblings, you know, about Michael Murphy, and now it's all starting to come out about the selection process and what was going on behind the scenes. Like I, I'm hearing that it, it wasn't a given that Michael Murphy was was going to retire, and that under a different management he might have still been there. And you got that sentiment that there was, you know, you read between the lines and what a few players said after the game that that things weren't. Healthy from the get go, and that 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 Paddy and his team were were basically you know hamstrung from from day one. And so to get that win, you can imagine if you're going into a a league season knowing that you know you have a lot of forces pulling against you, and the, and, and and the narrative isn't that that healthy to get that first win against Kerry, the All Ireland champions. How delighted you'd be, and and that's how Paddy sort of came across, but as you said, the foundations obviously weren't strong and then to lose Paddy McBrearty and the, 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 the sort of the cracks sort of um, became more than just cracks and the thing sort of crumbled over the rest of the league because ultimately, as I say, the foundations weren't right there from day one and it just, just looked in hindsight like he had a, an impossible job to do there and it, it doesn't help when you have all this stuff going on in the background, the Carl Lacey situation and 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 yeah, you might try and separate the two, or this is academy issue, but it's not, because now we find out that Carl was 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 potentially on a ticket for a management team, this dream ticket that weren't picked ahead of Paddy Carr. And then last week, Jimmy McGuinness coming out and and add more fuel to the fire was the case. So well, we were all here. I was here to sort of save Donegal football. And we were offering our services, but we weren't wanted. You've got Paddy and him, his crowd instead. You can imagine how that is is how Paddy Carr and his team feel here in that. An impossible job. So I think everybody has uh, and, and I wouldn't I wouldn't include Paddy Carr in this because he went for a job that he wanted and he was given it. As it is, that's all he that's all he could do. He didn't, I I I can not imagine that there was anything nefarious on his side. I suppose everybody else, in terms of county board, former managers, former players, existing players, have not covered themselves in glory here, and Donegal have suffered. I know there's an old there's an old saying you might have heard, agree or disagree, but commit. All right. Agree or disagree, but commit. Sometimes when you're in, in, in organizations or in position of leadership, you can't agree on everything. You can't agree in the manner. Doesn't matter. The bigger picture has to be committed to, and Donegal football should have been non-negotiable. But a lot of people seem to have taken personal interests at more, and Donegal football, and that's 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 a pity for Donegal football because it's not pretty to see. And uh, there's a lot of soul searching to be done up there now. And the big personalities that have been very vocal, it's on them now. I would say to to come up and and try and sort it out.
1: Great stuff, Dick. Thanks so much for joining us. All right, folks. We're going to chat Hurling now, and we're delighted to be joined by John Milan. John, an interesting weekend of Hurling League semi-final action. Kilkenny beating Cork yesterday, Limerick coming out on top against Tip on Saturday night. We might start with yesterday's game first. A lot of people talking about Cork potentially before that game as Limerick's biggest challengers heading into the summer, but a very disappointing defeat for them yesterday. Like, How are you assessing Cork and where they're at now versus what your feelings might have been before throwing yesterday?
2: Yeah, well, look, I suppose I would have been one of those... uh, one of those people you know that would have been suggesting that you know they they have the potential to be uh, a challenger to both Limerick and, and possibly Kilkenny I did say in the article Saturday that you know over the years you know what's kind of been highlighted with Cork is that they have the hurlers but what I was trying to say Saturday do they have the hurlers to go and win an All-Ireland and, and The reason I say that is, you know, do they have the mix of like what uh, a limerick, an IE, a limerick, a Kilkenny have where you have hurlers, but you also have hurlers who can mix it up and can play any way you like. Um, And that was was evident yesterday, uh, the contrast between both Kilkenny and Cork yesterday. I mean, you look at the Cork forwards, you know, in contrast to the Kilkenny forwards, uh, chalk and cheese. And look, this is, this is what, and, and, and for, for me, I think this is probably a bit of an eye-opener for, for Pat Ryan in regards to where his forwards are at. Now, look, on the flip side of that, in their defence, they're probably more missing a, a, a lot of players, but it's becoming consistent now where, you know, they're struggling up top in regards, you know, the high price, Going looking for work, um, you know, trying to get turnovers, chasing lost causes, engaging in a tackle. We've seen none of that yesterday. I think the only time, you know, they hunted in packs yesterday or engaged in attack. tackle was the little bit of a row that they had. And that kind of, you know, they kind of got a little bit of a kick out of that. But you, you look at the Kilkenny forwards. Billy Drennan, you know, was magnificent yesterday. But after, after Billy Drennan got a, got a score... He was chasing down the field, chasing lost causes. And that seems to be, you know, Cody is gone. Derek Ling has come in. But the constant with Kilkenny, in contrast to Cork, is that, you know, they've a high work ethic. And until Cork finds, you know, finds that high work ethic and starting from their forward line, they're going to continue to struggle, and they're not going to com- they're not going to compete for all earnings and and challenge the likes of the Kilkennys and and the Limericks of 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 this world. Now look, look, Watford played them in the first match. We've seen it time and time again where, you know, they're nearly picking the, picking and choosing their games. So I'm kind of saying, on, a, on consistently, they need to find those characteristics and and build them in, in, in into their into their ma- match match days. Now, as I said, look, they play Waterford in the first game. It gives, it gives Pat Ryan and his management team five weeks to go away, have a look at it, break it down. I'm sure that uh, when they do the video analysis and they chop up that game, it isn't going to be for happy reading for an awful lot of those car players. So, yeah, for me, I think there's a lot they have to work on. And for me, they've got to find an awful lot of those characteristics if, if, if they're going to push on this summer.
1: Yeah, Frank, is, is it kind of like a timely wake-up call for Cork with that game in five weeks? Or or is this a significant setback with kind of the lack of the fight shown, as John Milan alluded to there?
0: Well, the, 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 no, I was, as I say, I was in Castle Barrier yesterday, so I only got the highlights last night. But, I mean, it was more like the lowlights. I mean, I'd, you know, I'd watched the full uh, Limerick tip game on Saturday and loved it like It, it was a great watch. And then you watch what transpired in Nolan Park, and m- m- especially from a Cork perspective, I mean, they seem to be at nothing. Uh, far too much space on show. I mean, if you look at the stats from the match, he only scored 11 points from play. Now in Hurling, that's like, that's way, way, way too low. Um, I suppose one way of looking at it is, I mean, last year uh, they seemed to be motoring along quite well in the league, got to a league final and, and you know, were hit for, I don't know how many goals, was it four goals by Waterford in the final? Uh, and you might argue they struggled to fully recover from that. Uh, they've, they've a longer break now, they've five weeks. They're not out in the first week of the the Munster Round Robin. But even looking at their fixtures, their first two games are at home against Waterford and Tip. And my suspicion is that they would need to be looking at possibly taking three points from those two games anyway, or else, you know, it could be a real battle for them to, to get into the top three. What we saw at the weekend is not alone, are they still, you know, they're definitely behind the Kilkenny benchmark, but they're way, 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 way off the standard that Limerick are setting at the moment.
1: And if if we were kind of harsh on Cork there, John, but from a Kilkenny perspective, like I, are they the number two team then behind Limerick, do you think? You know, they got to the final, obviously, of the All-Ireland last year. we only narrowly beaten, you know, beat Cork well at the weekend. Obviously, they'll be playing Limerick in the league final, so we'll get a, a kind of a more accurate gauge of where they're at. But would you have them at number two at the moment? Oh,
2: 100% with oh, 100%. And I, I really like what Derek Ling is, is, is doing at the moment. Uh, you know, he's trying to adapt. You know, he's trying to get the mix between you know, having the old style Kilkenny. And I mean the old style of going long, mixing it up with the with, with the modern game, going short, working the ball through the lines. Uh he's developing a lovely little panel there. Um Billy Drennan is a is is a big fine farm. You know, you look at even Garrow done, you, you know, he's coming into the mix, but he he's a he's a Kilkenny hurler and the Kilkenny hurler I go back to it like, you know, the number one ingredient with a Kilkenny hurler is, is that high work ethic and then the rest looks after it itself he comes into the mix uh, Parrick Welch going back corner back I like to look at our full back line yesterday you lot going out centre back and you even consider who they were actually missing yesterday I mean f- five starters from the All-Ireland team last year Billy Ryan um, the four four Ballyhay lads the two Reeves, Adrian Mullen Owen Cody um, and look, one thing about Kilkenny, I felt last, last year that Kilkenny threw the kitchen sink at, at Limerick in All Ireland. Now, any other county would say, well, look, we threw the kitchen sink at, at Limerick and we still couldn't beat him. But what, Kil- what a Kilkenny player or a Kilkenny team will, 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 will go away and do? They look to try and, and gain that extra 10 or 15 um, percent and try and gain that extra 10, 15 percent that will go and challenge and possibly beat Kilkenny this year. So, yeah, most certainly, I think they're the one team that, you know, are kind of, you know, they're just probably a little bit below below Limerick, as, as Frank touched on there. But they're not a million miles away from, let me tell you. And they have, as I said, they have all the similar characteristics where they can go and take on a Limerick team in regards, you know, high work ethic, they've serious hurlers, they engage in the tackle, the chase loss causes. Um, and look, we've seen time and time again when Limerick and Kilkenny have played over the last couple of years there's only been, you know, two or three points uh, has has been the margin. So it will be very, very interesting how this league final goes. Now, from a Kilkenny point of view, this Limerick team have have yet to lose a final, whether it be a National League final, an all Ireland final, a Munster final. Every final that this group have played, they've won every final. So I think Derek Ling... We probably won't see TJ, but you probably will see a couple more of the the Ballyhale lads coming back in in two weeks' time. And I'd say Derek Ling will be saying to his lads, lads, let's go and test these lads in two weeks' time and let's try and win this final. And it would be very, very interesting to see how Limerick would react if they were to lose a final. Never mind losing a game, how they would react to losing a final. And I think this final in two weeks' time, you know, kind of, brings you back to 2009 when Tipperary were coming under Sheedy uh, and, you know, they were going taking on Kilkenny. And I think there's kind of similarities there between both these sides. Most certainly after yesterday, my eyes are seen and what Kilkenny have to come back, they are a good number two, yes.
1: Yeah, Frank, in terms of Derek Ling and what he's done taking over from Brian Cody, obviously such a big task taking over from someone who's had so much success and been there for so long. And I know, it's only the league final and maybe some teams didn't take the league as seriously as others, but in terms of like dampening down any kind of, I suppose, idea that there might be a slippage in standard just to get them to a league final and beat a Cork team. Well, who were pretty well, you know, highly touted. That's like a very you know strong start to his tenure.
0: Very much so. And it's probably in Derek's favor that he's just a, he's a very steady, understated guy. You know, he hasn't come in saying, I'm going to rip up the script, you know, uh, I'm the next Brian Cody or any of that. He's gone about his business in a very calm way. He's, he's, he's tinkered, you know, he's moved, moved a few pieces, chess pieces. Uh, Paddy Walsh come back to cornerback, Paddy Deegan going to wing forward. And, and like he's shown up quite well there. Like, you know, so he's put his own stamp on it. But the same uh, Kilkenny characteristics that John mentioned there, you know, they're all still there. It's almost like they're, and we expect them from Kilkenny, you know, at this stage. You know, uh, we'd be surprised if Kilkenny in a match where there's, you know, the trophy on the line weren't going full pelt into challenges, you know, asking tough questions. And you'd fully expect them to do the same against Limerick uh, the weekend after next as well. And it, it probably helps. I won't say Leinster is an easier province, but, you know, you would expect, given the form graph, Shown by some of their, you know, their fellow contenders in that province, that Kilkenny will, de- you know, they're not under the same pressure. I don't think to make sure they get in the top three, vis-a-vis Cork in Munster, uh, you know, where you've got Waterford, Tip under new management, Tip have definitely shown signs of improvement this year, and um, so it's going to be a real doggy dog championship down south. It'll be a major, major shock if Kilkenny. You know, didn't make the top three. Whatever about Leinster final, and to go to Saturday
1: night then, John and, and Limerick's performance against Tipperary—you know, that third quarter just blowing them away—and it's not the first time Tip have looked good against Tip for long periods, but then Limerick just kind of put the foot in the gas and move away from them. You know, how impressive were they for you?
2: Yeah, I, 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 I would, Frank. I, I totally, totally enjoyed a uh, Saturday night game. And look, we've been waiting a long time. Um, through the course of this national league, to to get a, a match like it, uh, you know Tipperary—they went toe to toe with him. I was very impressed by by Tipperary, um, in in that first half. But look, the old feelings from from Tipperary came back to haunt him. I don't know what it is with this third quarter, and it's 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 not just not just you know after cropping up just now under Lean Cal, it's it's happened time and time again under, under previous managements, where Tip, Tip can have a tendency to struggle in that third quarter. And it's probably something that they're probably going to have to home in on over the next couple of weeks before the championship kicks off that. They're going to have to target that third quarter and you know, try and minimise you know, what they concede because I think what they got outscored was it, 111 to two points in, in that third quarter. And effectively, that was, was the winning of the, of the match. But from a limit point of view, uh I oh look they were they were they were magnificent, they were a joy to watch and they just keep getting better and better and better. And you know, Kylie remarked before the match that, you know, it's it's great preparation for the championship. And, you know, in the aftermath of, of, of Saturday night's match that they'll go away and they'll they'll try and improve even more. And I think Rook Limerick are in a are in a great place right now. You know, you consider that the players that didn't partake in, in Saturday night's fixture, the likes of Kyle Hayes, uh, Flanagan only 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 came on. Um, who else didn't didn't play was Haggerty. Haggerty only only came on as well. Uh, a, a lot of our big big guys didn't partake in, in in Saturday night. And you know when you consider then that, you know they're getting trying to get other lads back up to speed. The likes of Galan, Burns, uh, Mike Casey. You know, Barry Nash came in. So they're tinkering, they're rotating their panel well, and they're in a very, very good place right now. And, you know, Keane Lynch seems to be back to his best, the magnificent score he got there in the second half. And they seem to be, you know, evolving the whole time and, you know, keeping the opposition thinking. And that was evident last night in the Sunday game where, you know, it was highlighted, you know, where lads in the full back line now seem to be making themselves available for passes to go up and and, uh, register scores, which is, Seems to be a worry for the opposition. But yeah, no, they're in, a, they're in a fantastic place. Tipperary, on the other hand, I don't think Liam Cattle or, or Mikey Bevins or, or Tony Brown or the lads will be, be overly worried. I think they'll be quite pleased at how, how they performed. And it's something to go and build on. They didn't throw in the towel. You know, they kept going to the end. Uh, and I think from a Tipperary point of view, I've seen it. I've seen, uh, you know, Mikey Bevins and I've seen Liam Cattle in, 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 uh, in operation. Their training sessions are top class. And I think Tipperary... They'll continue to grow. They'll continue to improve, and you know what? We're five weeks out from championship. I think uh, along along with Limerick, I think you know, considering our Tipperary war last year, albeit they lost the weekend. I think uh, I think both counties are, are in a very very good place coming into the Munster championship.
1: Yeah, Frank, do you think Liam cal can still take take a lot of positives from this league campaign despite? How it ended with that, you know, familiar kind of third quarter slump against Limerick is—is is he can he still be confident of of making a big impact this summer? I think he can, but it's also
0: important that that that's the, you know that he preaches a, a positive message coming out of it. Like he, he can't fall into the thing. Oh, here we go again. What what is it with our third quarters? Obviously, it's an issue they need to address. I mean, l- watching it, albeit will be watching it uh, on TV in front of a nice warm fire and a glass of red. My impression was that. Is you know that Limerick exerts such pressure for so long in a game that uh, you know I thought maybe just Tip ran out of gas partly. You know Limerick are relentless. They weren't at their best in their first half, but Tip played absolutely brilliantly. The way they engineered spaces for so many points uh, was really really impressive. But Limerick are masters at uh, and probably this comes down to their management team as well at figuring things out mid game. You know, they they closed off the spaces. They you know they they up the intensity, uh, and and Tip just struggled, struggled for any oxygen in those twenty minutes after half time. Um, but you know, like Limerick are the template. Uh, they're they're the the goal that everyone is trying to achieve. And for you know the first thirty five minutes, uh, Tip definitely more than went toe to toe with them. And the way they finished out the game, the last ten minutes. Uh, you can say it's consolation point, but, you know, they all of a sudden they found themselves nine points down, I think it was. And that could have ended, you know, could have turned a little bit ugly maybe in those last 10 minutes, but it didn't. You know, they, they brought it back to three or four points at one stage. So overall, there has to be positives. One thing they're going to go ahead, go back and obviously have to look at the video is how a team that scored um, 14 goals in their five regulation league matches struggle to create even a single clear goal chance against Limerick. Now, that's a lot down to uh, John Kiley's defence. But if Tip are going to make a sustained impact in the championship, especially when it comes, you know, if well, they will face Limerick down the line, but, um, you know, when it comes to meeting them in, in, in Munster and they would hope maybe beyond that as well, they're going to have to score goals against Limerick. Because you will not, uh, I cannot see Limerick losing the championship this year to a team that beats them with points alone.
2: I think I think that's across the board though, Frank. And that, that just, just doesn't fall on T- Tipperary's door. I think that's across the board with, with all the other counties. I think it's nearly a given now that they're going to have to raise green flags. And, you know, you're not talking, as you touched on it there, Frank, you know, Will, you're not touching one goal, you're not ta- touching two goals you're nearly going to have to score, register three goals to beat him. Like, because you're going to have, you're talking, as I touched on last week, you're going to have to hit that 27, between 27 and 30 point mark to go and beat him. Now, whether that means you're going to score 319, 320, 318, or 124, or 224, that's what it's going to take to take down this green joint. They're that good, you know, and that's 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 the challenge for every county out there not just alone Tipperary every county that's what you're going to have to do if you're going to take down this green giant
1: well, some question marks for Tipper and Cork then heading into the championship while the County and Limerick prepare for that exciting league final in a couple of weeks time but for now I'd like to thank John and Frank for joining me for our hurling chat and Dick Clerken for chatting football with us earlier we'll be back next week with another episode of the Throwing Podcast and in the meantime you can subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts or listen on independent.ie so until next time thanks for listening and goodbye